Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Nelson Dellis, a four-time U.S. memory champion. He has made appearances on the Today Show and on the Oprah Winfrey Network. He was also featured on the Netflix documentary, Memory Games, and he is the author of the book, Memory Superpowers, an adventurous guide to remembering what you don't want to forget. Thanks so much for joining us today, Nelson. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm going to start with something from your bio, which says you were born with, quote, an average memory, end quote, which is stunning thing to learn about somebody who is now an award-winning memory champion. Can you take us back to your beginning? How did this journey begin for you? Yeah, you know, I started getting interested in memory, I guess it's about 11 years ago now, um, maybe even a bit before that, my grandmother had been struggling with Alzheimer's disease. And it was kind of the first few moments of my life where I had really even thought much about memory and what it means, you know, to your life and how it can affect your life. And, you know, I was watching my grandmother kind of lose who the essence of who she was, which was kind of a difficult thing to observe and for our family and for her obviously as well. And when she passed, which was also kind of sudden, uh, it kind of put me on this path to figuring out what I could be doing at that age to, you know, develop habits and uh, that help my memory and my, my brain health for the long term. And that kind of spurred my journey into the world of mnemonics and competitive memorize, memorizing, uh, because I quickly found out that these competitions existed and, was very interested in seeing how I could improve my memory. And that, that kind of kickstarted everything. That really is a powerful origin story. Now I want to give listeners a sense of your accomplishments. So here are just a few of the records you hold or have held in the past. Memorizing the most names in 15 minutes, 235 names memorizing a deck of cards in the fastest time, which you did in 40.65 seconds. I'm somebody who could say confidently that I already forgot what I ate for breakfast this morning. So what do people outside of your field get wrong about memory and how we can get better at it? Yeah, I mean, the number one thing I think that people have have it wrong is that they think that memory is kind of this fixed thing and you're kind of stuck with what you have and there's really nothing you can do outside of that. So that's flat out wrong. Um, memory, contrary to many people's beliefs, uh, is a skill, a trainable, learnable skill. And like with any skill, you can work at it There are techniques to improve it, to make it more efficient. And if you want to get better at a skill, what do you do? You practice, right? You do it. You you employ these techniques or strategies and you try to get them, you know, on autopilot by practicing them a lot. So that's, that's kind of the the first thing. And I think when people really realize that, and, and usually it needs a little more convincing, I have to show them an example and kind of run them through an example that, kind of highlights how their memory is better than they think. Once they realize that, I think it's a huge game changer and people just open their minds to the potential that, uh, you know, their memory and all of our memories actually have. 
That's kind of a perfect segue to get into some of the tangible things and specifically your book, which the subtitle of it is an adventurous guide to remembering what you don't want to forget. And part of that adventure is the memory palace that you talk about um, in that text. Can you give our listeners a sense of what that is and maybe how they can employ it in their day to day? Sure. Yeah. So there, there are a few techniques, different strategies to memorize faster and more and better, but the memory palace is really kind of the, the, the top method that I'd say most high level um, competing memory athletes use to do the phenomenal things that they can do, like memorize a deck of cards really fast or memorize, you know, thousands of digits, things like that. So the way it works and it's based off of some strategies that were developed you know, in ancient civilizations, actually, when, you know, you actually had to have a good memory to pass on information or be successful, right? So the, the, the idea is you, you take something, a place or a familiar kind of locale, location that you know that you don't have to really memorize, you, you imagine it or you imagine yourself kind of navigating yourself through that space and you imagine the things you're trying to memorize as pictures kind of strewn about that, um, that pathway. And so it doesn't have to be a palace, I guess the origin of that technique, people who were doing it were highly educated, probably were rich, had palaces. So that's probably where that uh, stemmed from, but it doesn't have to be a palace. It can be your apartment, it can be a house, it can be your office, it can be your way to work. Uh, it doesn't even have to be an enclosure, right? It could be some kind of uh, pathway, you know, through a park or your favorite city that you've walked through. Um, see, I, I type, I like to call it the journey method, uh, over the memory palace method, just because I think journey implies that you're starting somewhere and ending somewhere. And it doesn't really matter, um, what kind of place you're using as long as it's somewhat meaningful to you. And the idea is that, um, the, the pathway through that space preserves the order of what you're memorizing. And the idea is that you know this place, so it's not like an extra thing you have to memorize. You know how to walk from your front door to your bedroom, say, for example. Um, so that's not a problem to, to help you. That's not a problem to, to memorize in order to keep that order. And you're just kind of sticking these pictures along certain key points along that path uh, through that space to, to help uh, remember the information. And then later on, when you want to recall it, all you have to do is think of the place where you put it, say your house, and walk back through it and pick up the images that you place there and translate them back to whatever they represented um, in terms of, of the information you memorized. It's a really fascinating approach and I've heard others describe it and I really enjoy the way that you put that into perspective and, and how somebody can use it. Is this something just on a personal note that you turn on and off or is it always on for you? Are you always putting things in that you can recall later or do you make a tangible decision in your head to, I'm gonna turn this on so that I can recall it later? Yeah, I have to, to make the decision to do it um, because you know part of the process is deciding what memory palace to use, um, what locations along that journey in that memory palace you're gonna place items on. So I have a whole collection of memory palaces that I have at my disposal that I can select from when I need them. And yeah, I mean, you, 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 you couldn't really do this on autopilot because yeah, you have to have that conscious decision of what you're gonna be using to store the information. 
Um, which sounds kind of like I, I can see some people being maybe like, well, what if I forget to use that? Or, you know, that sounds like extra work. But once you get in the habit of uh, using these memory palaces and having them at your disposal, they're really simple to call up and use, you know, in a, a fraction of a second. So it's, it's really not that uh, much extra work to, to kind of get them going. In the past, we've asked our listeners to reach out via our Instagram account for questions for guests. And I would have to say one of the questions that we get most frequently is how leaders prepare for their day. What does preparation look like for you, maybe specifically before a competition where you're memorizing a deck of cards or doing something else that has that you're pushing your mental fortitude to the test? What does that look like in the app? Yeah or maybe even in a day before an event like that? Yeah, well, I've, I mean, I'm really, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I do some weird things, but um, maybe it's not so weird to your listeners. But I actually will probably start prepping earlier in the week mm. um, in terms of making sure I'm getting enough sleep, enough rest. That's super important, especially for memory, because it's not something you can just sleep well the night before, uh, and, and make up for all the lost sleep you had maybe earlier in the week. It's something that you need to be well rested, you know, a few days before the actual competition and kind of keep that going. So I'll try to make sure that I'm going to bed at a reasonable hour around 9 PM. Um, and this is about five days before. So usually the competition's on like a Saturday uh, or a Sunday. So I'll, I'll probably start kind of focusing on this um, on the Monday before and go to bed at nine, uh, trying to, you know, sleep, uh, eight hours at least that's kind of super key. And then kind of cleaning up my diet, depending on where I am. Usually at that point, I'm already eating kind of clean. Um, but you know, not doing anything drastic, no crazy cheap meals or, um, alcohol. I don't drink much alcohol, but I make sure not to go on a bender at any point <laughs> during that week exercise. I mean, I'm always exercising, so that doesn't really change much. Um, but the, the training, kind of amps up uh, a little bit more uh, in the earlier part of the week. And then it tapers off uh, the day before I kind of do a, a rest day on the Friday um, just to kind of clear things out. So my memory palaces that I, I have prepared, I'll, I'll have to kind of give them a little bit of space so that they're nice and fresh for Saturday morning or Sunday morning. And then the morning of the competition, you know, I, I kind of get in my own world. I always make sure to, uh, actually the night before I eat a very uh, brain healthy, uh, dinner, um, also get good sleep. And then I wake up early around 6am and do, you know, an hour of cardio just to kind of get my mind focused and my body feeling good. And then, you know, I, I, I listen to the, my tracks, my music that I need to pump me up and get me kind of stoked. I'll go through some kind of the, the motions of what the events are that I'll be doing at the memory competition, but not actually memorizing, just kind of, you know, kind of rehearsing um, the strategies in my mind or actually physically in terms of like going through a deck of cards with my hands or flipping pages, things like that. Um, it sounds kind of dumb when I say it like that, but that's, you know, those are the, the, the things that are going to help me win a championship uh, in, in this memory world. So. 
What are you the most interested in right now in terms of pushing the limits of what is possible? Is there emerging research? Is there something that you're doing differently? Is there a space that you think this world is going into that, that really fascinates you at the current time for the next, let's say, three, six, nine, 12 months? You know, I, I think I've done what I've been, you know, what I wanted to do, what I set out to do in the, the com competitive world. Um, there'll always be newcomers that are faster, smarter, um, coming up with slightly edgier and faster strategies that can maybe shave seconds or help you memorize more. But um, I don't think anything super radical is going to happen, um, you know, in the next five years. It's always like a slow, gradual process. It's, it's like any other sport or thing that has some kind of record. It's very rare that someone just comes along and, and you know, chops off, you know, tens of seconds on a record, or it's usually a very gradual process um, over time as people kind of chip away. So that, that's going to always keep happening. But what I see kind of growing here um, in terms of technology, at least, is using these techniques or, or getting these techniques into people's houses more, like into their lives. You know, when I explain these techniques, it sounds nice, but it also has a kind of element of, of, of mystery, like un, un, until or unless I walk you through one of these memory palace examples, I feel like listeners are, are probably still like, hmm, that's interesting, but I still don't quite get it. It sounds kind of weird, kind of out there. I don't know if I would do it. And they probably, most people won't because they don't know enough about it because of the accessibility part. And that's why I, I always say like, I have to usually walk people through it, a real example that they memorize with my hand holding until they can see wow that was pretty easy to use I, I know how i would apply this anyways what i'm trying to get at is getting this into people's houses and kind of into the mainstream i think the best way and this is coming with emerging technology that is getting more and more popular every day is through vr hmm. or uh, ar right and um i'm one of my projects that i'm currently working on uh with a startup is is through this VR uh, technology to kind of introduce memory palaces and um, the ideas of memory techniques to help you uh, remember things. Because, because if you think about it, what I've described, imagining yourself in this 3D environment, um, yeah, of course you want to do that in your mind, but with a VR headset, you can imagine how you can just plop that on someone's head and instantly show them what I'm talking about, right? They're immersed into a memory palace immediately. So that's kind of my vision and I'm super excited to see where, you know, that goes. And especially with the recent um, Oculus mm. headset that just came out, that's super cheap for what it is. You know, I can just see that getting easier and easier for people. To, everybody's going to have one, you know, and it's, gonna, it's just going to be easy to put on this headset and, and go into this virtual world. Hmm. Really fascinating stuff. And I, I want to close here by talking about Climb from Memory which is a nonprofit charity that you founded raising awareness and funds for Alzheimer's disease research through mountain climbs all around the world. Can you talk a little bit about that and some of the great work that that organization is doing? Sure. Yeah. So early in my journey uh, to becoming a memory champion, I realized that, yeah, not enough people know about these techniques and not many people really value brain health. Um, I think it's come a long way. I think Nowadays, people are a little more cognizant of it, but back in the you know, 2009, 2010, that kind of era, um, 
wasn't really much of a thought. You know, you think healthy, stay fit, it's all body related. And even if you did have an inkling that, yeah, I want to keep my mind healthy, you wouldn't really know what that meant or how, how to do that. What, what does that actually involve? And so anyways, along this journey, becoming a memory champion, I had to figure a lot of that stuff out um, through reading books, hearing from other experts on it, and kind of incorporating it into my lifestyle to help me get better at this stuff and to help uh, me become a champion. So I realized really quickly that I needed to share that um, as best as I could, um, you know, with this frame of mind that, um, you know, I want to age my brain in a way uh, that it, yeah, I, I, well, I don't want to age it. I, I want to keep it as young as possible um, as I age. So Climb for Memory is kind of a response to that where I wanted to raise awareness for Alzheimer's, which is the reason why I started competitive memorizing in the first place, but also to kind of make people think twice about what it means to be healthy, um, you know, from a, a cognitive perspective. So at the time I was like, well, how can I do that? How can I stand apart? And, and climbing was one of my, still is, uh, one of my passions. So I thought, okay, why don't I climb for memory? I'll do some big climbs, kind of get some attention through that. And people will learn a little bit about Alzheimer's and brain um, health and memory techniques and things like that. So I started with some um, pretty ambitious climbs, trying to uh, summit Mount Everest a few times. And um, nowadays it's turned more into a um, way for people to kind of have a memorable experience. Uh, join me on some of these climbs. Uh, we run trips to Kilimanjaro or treks to Everest Base Camp, things like that, uh, where people can join and climb from memory along with me um, for that cause. So, yeah. Well, thanks for all the great work on that. And, and our listeners should definitely check it out. Before we move to the final two questions that I ask all guests, just as a, a tangible last quick question, how do we enhance our approach to remembering people's names? Um, is it a memory palace? Is it a, a journey? Is it a, how do we go about making ourselves better at doing that critical skill? Sure. So um, the, the, we don't use a memory palace per se. It's not the best use of a memory palace, but the, uh, the kind of underlying strategy is the same. So as I was saying with the memory palace, you take an image for what you're memorizing and you basically stick it or imagine it on a location along this path, right? Through your memory palace. Now with a person that you meet, um, you can use them, their themselves, their face, their body, whatever, some feature that is memorable and something that you might notice if you ever were to see them again. And you use that as the location on which you will stick the image for their name. So when I meet someone, you know, I'm actually already looking at them in the face usually or make eye contact, right? Um, so I'll find a feature on their face that sticks out to me, whether it's, you know, beautiful blue eyes, a large nose, a mole, a beard, whatever I notice. And that's going to be my anchor, my location uh, that I store an image for their name on. Then, you know, we interact, I shake hands, or I guess now we do an elbow fist bump, <laughs> right? Um, and I ask for their, their name and they ask for mine, right? So once I get their name, I try to convert it into a mental image, you know, something that it reminds me of or something I can visualize better than the, you know, cluster of letters that is their word for their name. So like Nelson um, might 
bring up images of the character from The Simpsons, right? That's easy to image, imagine, or maybe Nelson Mandela is a very memorable image in your mind as well. Um, so whatever comes to mind, you come up with that picture, and then I'm gonna imagine it interacting in some memorable way on that feature that I chose. Hmm. So like I kind of have a very red beard. So, you know, maybe Nelson from The Simpsons is teasing me because I have a red beard, right? <laughs> Or maybe he's literally pulling the hairs out of my red beard. Um, and the idea is that next time you see me with that beard, you're going to be like, oh, there was Nelson pulling those hairs out. Oh, his name is Nelson. And that's the basic idea. I love that. And, and thank you for that. I think I'll, I'll start to implement it. And hopefully my skills will improve in that area. I do want to ask you our final two questions that we ask everybody. And the first one is this. If you could describe your leadership style in one word, what would that word be? Um, patient, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a teacher at heart. Uh, I, I teach a lot at the university down here. And, um, I think one of my best qualities is that, um, I'm very patient with different kinds of learners. And I understand that people don't grasp information the same way or at different speeds. Um, so I have to, I understand that and I'm able to kind of work with different students. Um, and this is also when I teach people memory techniques as well um, so that they can understand these concepts. And I think that, that people really appreciate that. Whenever I get my you know, yearly or semester reviews of my students, that's kind of the one thing that they always say about me. And um, I'm really happy about that. I think that's a, um, a good leadership quality to have because I listen and I'm, I'm very patient. And then the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Best piece of advice I ever, uh, yeah, I don't, this is kind of dumb, but um, it's one of my favorite quotes. It's from a really bad movie. It's like one of the, from the early 2000s. It was like a spoof movie, but um, I think it was Mr. T comes out and he's, his, his role in the movie, he's the wise janitor. He just shows up to give this football player um, some advice and he says a line a quote which is wrong like it's backwards but it actually in my eyes makes more sense that way um, and I've always used it to kind of kind of motivate me uh, a little bit so the quote goes like this the way he says it in the film is um, he's saying it to a quarterback is uh, believe in the ball and throw yourself right and <laughs> the guy kind of looks confused as he runs back on the field to like finish the play and win the game. Um, I think in the movie, he, he messes it up and they lose, but uh, you know, it's supposed to be the other way around, right? Believe in yourself and throw the ball. Right. But I always liked it the other way because it's like, yeah, believe in the ball, meaning believe in the process, right? If you've spent enough time preparing something and you've practiced and you're confident, right. Believe in that. Right. And just throw yourself into it. Right. Um, kind of like go and do what you know how to do. Don't worry about anybody else um, and, and just rely on the fact that you know your thing um, as long as you've prepared for it, right? So I always think about that going into memory competitions because I get nervous about other competitors, what they can do and, and who's the best at memorizing cards and this and that. But all I can really do is know what I can do. And I've prepared all year long, you know, for this competition and it's just another training day. So I got to believe in that process and just kind of throw myself into it, not worry about anything else. And, and that's usually when I get the best results. 
Well, patience and believing in the process is about the perfect spot to close us out here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Um, yeah, if, the, my website is just nelsondellis.com. Very easy to connect with me there. Um, and there's all my links to my social there. You can find um, most of my effort is put into YouTube. So I have a bunch of uh, YouTube videos on, on memory and some fun memory applications. So people can check out me there. And then I have uh, two books out at the moment. One is uh, called Remember It, which is kind of designed for the everyday person. And then I just came out with another one called Memory Superpowers, which is for uh, kind of grade school aged kids um, going through schooling. Yeah. So either one are, are, are both great reads. They share all the techniques and strategies that we kind of touched on today. Perfect. Well, thank you for all the great insight. I will make a personal plug for the YouTube page specifically. Thank you to all you. great listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Learn to Lead Podcast. And you can find our organization Ability at Ability.com. Be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast. <laughs> <laughs>